So welcome to the 2022 World Cup podcast. Tonight I am flying solo. Josh, my co-host, has some family stuff. Imagine that. Uh, Also tomorrow, just as a note, we will be taking off and not recording anything uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving. So I hope you and yours have a wonderful day as well. Uh, Today was a great day of games. We're just going to run through... Uh, kind of the results and, and some of the initial thoughts that we've had on these games. And I do have some input from, from my co-host here that's that's going to be spelled out. But Croatia-Morocco was the first game this morning. We talked about it yesterday. I had a draw written down. Uh, that's what ended up playing out just with less goals. Uh, we had a nil-nil draw. It was pretty even. Both teams had spells in the game where they had chances, but were, were pretty – they were just unable to finish. We talked a little bit about that lack of striker quality that they had in, in their number nine or their, their center forward, and that really did show up uh, in this game. One thing I didn't like about this game that I noticed, and I'm really hoping it doesn't become a theme of the tournament, is that some soft challenges in the box were just players were going down with those, and, and they were trying to wave for penalties. And we've already seen a lot of penalties in this tournament. And I don't think that there's really been a bad call yet, except in this Canada game today, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, But I just wonder if players are seeing the the penalty count and and kind of taking that as as a sign that they should be going down easily inside of the box. So I'm really hoping that doesn't become a trend as as we go throughout this tournament. The second game today was Japan-Germany. I had this as a potential upset. I still thought Germany was going to win this game, but I just love this result. You know, Japan is one of those teams that I would love to see do well in this tournament. This is what the World Cup is really all about. <laughs> I mean, anybody can beat anybody else. Uh, we saw Argentina fall yesterday to Saudi Arabia, and Japan comes out of here with a huge, huge win. That probably has them locked in favorites to come out of that group along with Spain. Uh, I think, you know, Germany dominated the middle part of this game. They had a lot of possession. Uh, just before half and the 20 or minute 20 minutes or so after the half uh, you know they they had a lot of they had a lot of uh, possession and, and shots and targets they ended the match with 76 percent possession they eventually got a goal from that dominating period uh, to take the lead uh, via penalty which I again I thought was a good call uh, but the Japanese players are also this is an interesting note they're notorious for picking up language and really understanding culture of the of the countries that they play in. And so unsurprisingly, there's a ton of Bundesliga, or Bundesliga is the German first league, ton of Bundesliga players in this Japanese team. And both of the Japanese players to score are Bundesliga's players. So, you know, they'll have seen these German players. They'll understand their style of play and be pretty familiar with them just from, from club level. Uh, and so it was kind of an interesting game to watch and, and see play out. And I just, I love that Japan got the result 2-1 here for Japan. And so they go second in that group, which is just a a pretty cool thing to see. We love to see the upsets, especially against that German machine that has just been so successful tournament after tournament. The dominating win of the day, Spain, Costa Rica, Spain, seven, Costa Rica, zero. I just want to point out that U.S.'s last two games against Costa Rica in World Cup qualifying were a 2-1 win and a 2-0 loss. So the U.S. beat Costa Rica 2-1 and lost 2-0. And in both of those games, the U.S. dominated chances, they dominated possession, they dominated the passing stats. And in this game, Spain did the exact same thing, except they did it more effectively and they did more of it. 
So in those games against the U.S., it was 60-65% possession. Spain had 82% possession in this game. And they are the first team in the tournament so far to break 1,000 passes in a single game. It, early in the game, I heard one of the commentators say, that the it, I think it was in the first three or four minutes even, uh, that Spain plays a death by a thousand passes style, and they actually did that today. They completed 1,045 passes. Just unbelievable. Uh, the youth that I talked about in that team yesterday, it, it didn't seem to matter that they were young. Uh, Xavi and Pedri, I mean, they were just so incredibly composed on the ball. They, they were on the score sheet. Uh, just getting into really, really great spaces and, and completing incredible passes. So I, they are definitely favorites to top this group. I actually expect them to beat Germany pretty comfortably. Uh, so we'll see that game early next week. Uh, and definitely excited for that. Definitely favorites in that group now, Spain. So the final game of the day, Canada and Belgium. And I hate this game. I hated this game. So, you know, Canada showed why they are at this tournament, why they went undefeated in qualifying period. But they could not win. You know, it, this was a, statistics wise, this was a really close game. The possession stats were close, almost 50 50. I think it was tilted a little bit in favor of Belgium at 53 or 54. The passing stats were really close within 50 to 60, 70 passes of each other. But Canada had 22 shots. They only had three of those on goal to Belgium's nine shots with three on goal. Canada was living in Belgium's half for long, long stretches in this game, but they just could not finish. I, you know, Canada had a missed penalty early in this game that would have given them the lead. That was just, you got to bury the penalties in a tournament like this. They also had a really, really bad call go against them. Uh, they had a very obvious penalty that was uh, given as an offside to Belgium, even though it was not a proper offside call. And, and we're actually, we'll get into a little bit of offsides calls and, and kind of how to spot those and what they mean and, and why maybe in particular, this is probably the most controversial offside call of the tournament so far, but Canada really should have had a second penalty. They even had a shout for a third on a handball that that was kind of a little bit of that 50, 50 could have been, could have, could have not been. Uh, you know, I still like Canada to give it a go in this group and, and probably get through after watching Croatia and Morocco just sort of be uninspiring. Uh, they'll probably, they had definitely have a chance to win out. They could pretty comfortably win out, I think, against Croatia and Morocco. Uh, so maybe even more than Argentina because Argentina's already played the weakest team in that group. Uh, I think Canada has a good chance to be the, the team that loses their opener and still makes it out of the group. So we're definitely rooting for the Canucks, but this was a this was a really disappointing game that they really should have grabbed by the scruff and won. So tomorrow we see uh, Group G and H play. Yesterday I mistakenly grouped Switzerland in with with the previous groups, not in my match predictions, but just in in the conversation around one of them. And they are they're they're not in either of the groups that played today. Uh, in ERF, but they are in this Group G game tomorrow against Cameroon. And I said a little bit yesterday about why I like Switzerland. I'll, I'll kind of talk through that a little bit more. I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Um, I do think Switzerland's going to win this game. I think that they'll be the second team through in this group. Uh, and I think that they really have a, a good opportunity to do that if they have a decisive win in this game. 
Uh, Serbia is a fantastic team and very easily could be. A, that's Josh's dark horse pick. So Serbia really could have, uh, you know, the opportunity to get through out of that group. But they will have a very tough time if they get battered by Brazil tomorrow. So Switzerland win this game. They're going to really like their chances. Uh, they just have some really solid players that are clinical, that are disciplined, that don't make mistakes in Granit Xhaka and Fabian Schaar, who, who play central defense and central midfield for them. They're both in great form for Arsenal and Newcastle, uh, their club teams. And then they also have Brillan Bola, who's uh, playing for Monaco in France, and he's just a really fun striker to watch. He's 25, uh, great finisher, lots of pace. Uh, and, and I think that he, if you give him one or two chances in this game, he's going to score a couple of goals. So uh, I really like Switzerland to get through here. Cameroon, they have some great players. They've got some great veterans. Uh, Chupa Moting is a guy who has kind of been a bit of a journeyman in his career. Uh, he's 33 uh, at this point, I believe. And he's playing for Bayern Munich, surprisingly, after they lost Robert Lewandowski, who we talked a little bit about yesterday. But he'll be their main striker. Uh, he's great in the air. He's great in hold-up play. And they also have some veteran leadership in defense. So, you know, Cameroon isn't a bad team. I just don't think that they're good enough uh, to go out and beat Switzerland. I don't think they're good enough to beat Serbia. And I don't think they're good enough to beat Brazil. So this probably just is not their tournament. And, it, and it's a really tough group. Uh, second game tomorrow is Uruguay-South Korea. So that's, that's going to be a, a fun game. It's going to be a lot like the Germany-Japan game in that Uruguay is going to be heavily favored. They have a lot of very well-known names. Uh, people like Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani are household names, but they're also both entering their fourth World Cup. So they're you know mid-30s at this point. And I kind of expect them to play a little bit more of a supporting role, role to Darwin Nunez uh, and uh, Bentenker, Rodrigo Bentenker, who's a midfielder for Tottenham Hotspur. You know, both those players are just kind of early prime for both of them. Darwin Nunez only... 23 years old, plays for Liverpool. Benton Kerr, just 25, playing for Tottenham. Both silky on the ball, can really create special moments. Uh, so I expect them to sort of be the main threats. But this team is littered with talent. And, you know, Uruguay has always been knocked for their defending in previous tournaments. I think they've got some great veteran defenders on this team as well. So uh, Uruguay is a great team. I, I do think that South Korea, similarly to Japan, has an opportunity just because they play really disciplined and they don't make a lot of mistakes and they have a lot of grit. Uh, I would give South Korea even the edge over Japan in that they have a little bit more of an attacking edge with uh, Son of Tottenham, who you know is a club teammate with Rodrigo Bentenker uh, on Uruguay's squad. But he's just, he's been in the running for the top score of the Premier League for I think all of the last six or seven seasons. And so he'll captain this team. He is coming off an injury, so we'll see what part he plays. But uh, I, I, I like South Korea to actually pull maybe loosely an upset, you would call it here. So I like I like South Korea in this game 2-1. Uh, Portugal-Ghana is another game tomorrow in Group H, along with Uruguay-South Korea in that same group. Uh, and I, this really, for me, is the upset of the day. I like the upset to, to happen in this one. I just think Portugal... They're going to be forced to play a less effective Cristiano Ronaldo. They can't put him on the bench or he'll do what he did at Man United and storm out. Uh, and they'll probably have to take him off late in the game to produce any significant attacking threat or bite. There's just also so much of a circus around him right now that I just I don't think it's going to do them any favors. 
you know, they still have world-class talent. And so obviously they can win this game if those guys show up. Uh, people like Ruben Neves, who plays in the Premier League for Wolves, and Bruno Fernandes, those, those two guys can really control the tempo of a game. Uh, but they're really going to have to prove, I think, that they belong in this tournament with everything else that's going on. And they'll be heavily favored in this game. Uh, Ghana isn't quite the team that they were 15 years ago, but they still have players like Lamptey and the IU brothers who, you know, really can give anybody a game, can score goals. Uh, so I don't know that Ghana can get out of this group with, uh, with the other teams, Uruguay and South Korea being in there. I think it'll be the winner of that Uruguay-South Korea game. Uh, potentially Uruguay and South Korea, if they end up drawing that game, it'll be through. But I do like Ghana for the upset here. And if they do pull the upset, they might just sneak into the round of 16. So uh, we'll see what goes on there. And the final game tomorrow is Brazil versus Serbia. So Serbia, Group G, uh, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon is Group G. So the first game tomorrow and the last game tomorrow. This Brazil squad is just incredibly talented. And, you know, we say this every year. We said this when Brazil hosted the tournament and just got thrashed on home soil by Germany. This squad is a little bit different. And, you know, I think it's really going to be down to their head coach, Tite, if he has the gall to play what is the best, most cohesive squad and not just the squad that might be able to score the most goals or is the best nod to some of those players that have been around for multiple tournaments, uh, Brazil just has the potential to be something special. They have been made fun of. They brought, uh, in, most squads have four, maybe five, potentially six attacking players or forwards in their team. Brazil brought nine to this tournament. Uh, so in a squad of 26 players, nine forwards, uh, which is kind of a, a bit of a funny one. Their midfield is going to be a little bit thin. But there's still so much talent there that, you know, they'll they'll be fine even if one goes down. If two goes down, it starts to get a little bit hairier. I'm hoping that Bruno Gimares, who plays for Newcastle United, is in the form of his life, uh, gets the start in there, and that Fred, who is a bench warmer for Manchester United, doesn't see the field. Bruno has something special both uh, in transition, in defense, in hold-up play, uh, and then just with that incisive through ball. So... I like Brazil in this game. I like Brazil to win probably 3-1, but Serbia is not a bad team. Uh, Serbia has two very, very talented strikers in Vlavic and, uh, and Mitrovic. Uh, one playing in the Premier League, who's, I think, second in the league in scoring right now with 10 goals through 13, 14 matches. Uh, and then you have Vlavic, who's playing for, for Juventus in Serie A, who's you know, one of the top clubs in Italy. So... They really have the ability to score a ton of goals. I just don't know that they have the ability to defend all the Brazilian forwards. This could really be a fun game. It could be kind of one of those 5-2 score lines where you just see a lot of forward play, a lot of transition play. Uh, but yeah, I, I like I like Brazil to win this game, and I like Brazil to top this group ultimately. So we will see. Again, we will not be doing an episode tomorrow to recap those games on Thanksgiving. Uh, but we will still be offering here and there some some commentary or thoughts or, or potentially just some quips at Alexi Lalas. Uh, so definitely follow us on Twitter at WC2022podcast. Uh, and, and we might even throw in some thoughts about tomorrow's games tomorrow evening. 
Uh, we will be back Friday to recap Thursday and Friday's games and kind of a summary of the first round of games. Uh, as of tomorrow, you'll have every team have played one game. So we'll recap a little bit of that, that first round. And then we'll also recap the USA-England game because that will be happening Friday at 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, another quick note there, Harry Kane was back in practice today for England. But there isn't a definitive yes or no that he will go. It'll be interesting to see if he is named to the bench instead of as a starter in that game, uh, but ultimately could have a significant, significant impact on that game if he is not playing in it. So uh, definitely keep keep your ear to the ground on that tomorrow. Hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, and we, we look forward to, to having you uh, back with us on Friday. Again, this is the World Cup 2022 podcast. This is your host, Owen. Uh, we are sponsored by Homekeeper simplifying home maintenance for busy homeowners. Uh, We look forward to seeing you. Thanks. Bye.